is that you're saved, right? And uh, if you're not saved, you ought to go ahead and take care of that. So praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Miss Carol. Go ahead and take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, we got announcements to make. I forgot. Uh, most of you may already know we've, uh, we're going to do some, well, we're going to cancel. We're going to cancel that, right, sis, not push it back. So the new Bible study that uh, uh, Miss Anita started last week, we're going to go ahead and cancel that because tomorrow the weather's a little iffy. And we're going to postpone the uh, Valentine banquet to Thursday, right, Thursday to 6 p.m. So uh, 6 p.m.? Okay, all right. So same deal. Everything's the same, but we're just going to do it on Thursday instead of tomorrow because of the uh, uh, potential bad weather. You know, it's one of those things, if we don't have it, it'll be 75 degrees and sunshiny. Uh, but if we do, do do it, it'll be 20 below zero and snow blowing. <laughs> so, so we're going we're gonna to postpone that uh, till Thursday. And, and I know some of you already had other plans, and uh, we apologize for that. But sometimes those things just happen. And, but I hope you can make it. But if not, we sure understand that. All right. Uh, we've been talking uh, last several Sunday nights uh, doing a, uh, I won't admit it, but uh, I've been hinting around about a series about contending for the faith. You know, sometimes us uh, Christians, we don't like to commit to anything, right? That way we change our mind. And so preachers are no different. Uh, but God has certainly had some things on my heart and mind uh, concerning contending for the faith. And uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. And uh, go ahead and stand with me, if you will. Let's go ahead and read this very well-known verse. Some of us may have it memorized. We're just going to read one verse tonight. We might go look at some others. Uh, but, of course, we're looking here at the Great Commission. It's found in all four Gospels and found in the book of Acts as well. And I want to read it again, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And we're going to be focusing tonight on understanding the power of a local New Testament church. And you know your pastor's heart. Uh, I believe we need a revival on understanding the local church. Amen. Uh, there's a lot of ecumenical type things that are going on, uh, the, the universal church teachings and those types of things uh, uh, I don't think are biblical, amen. Uh, I believe that God does His work through local New Testament churches and all of God's people said, Amen. That's how it's supposed to be done. That's God's plan. And uh, so we see here in Acts chapter 1, tonight we're talking about understanding the power of a local New Testament church. And it says there in verse 8, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We understand that there is a, uh, the truth, that is the doctrines that we find in our Bible were handed down to Christ and His disciples. Um, I tend to kind of look at that as the church, if you will, certainly empowered on the day of Pentecost. And this is what Jesus was talking about. He was looking forward to that time. But He says, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And that word power, we may, may have never looked that word up. I was thinking about that the other day, and I said, you know, I don't know that I ever looked up that word as far as maybe I have, but I've forgotten. And um, I kind of gleaned some different meanings, and I just came up, I didn't come up with it, but from what I understand, I just kind of paraphrased it, uh, miraculous ability. Amen. I think that's wonderful, don't you? <laughs> and he says here, uh, again, uh, you shall receive power, you shall receive ability, miraculous ability, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And notice what will happen. And ye shall be witnesses. You ought to underline that. You shall be witnesses unto me. And he gives us some places, both in Jerusalem, all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So again, we have here the Great Commission. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching 
Reading of the Word of God tonight, Father, thank you for the good spirit here tonight. Thank you for our visitors as well, Brother Barrett and his family. And Father, pray that you'll bless them. Bless them as well. Good to have them with us. And uh, we're thankful for uh, the ministry there at Friendship Baptist Church and uh, Brother Stanley and those guys, Lord, a, a great body of believers. And thankful that they're here tonight with us. Father, we just pray now that you'll bless uh, this message. Speak to our hearts in a mighty and powerful way. In Jesus Christ's name, we do pray. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. You know, uh, what a, you know, I, I would say, you know, when men think of power or, or even mankind think of power, um, you know, we have our you know, different thoughts on that as to what we believe is powerful. Um, there are some very uh, physically strong men that I know of personally and have heard about or maybe seen on some type of sports show or what have you. Uh, and so power is often seen in a physical way, like a physical power. Um, uh, but we have to ask, you know, is that the type of power we need in local New Testament churches today? Uh, certainly a strong back comes in handy, I will say that, amen. Uh, but there's also financial power. You know, there's different kinds of powers. There's, you know, oftentimes, you know, uh, praise the Lord, our, our faith promise giving is growing and growing, and we've been able to add missionaries and so forth. We're excited about that. But you still yet, we, we understand, and sometimes I grieve for missionaries who, who need uh, money for certain things, various things, simple things that you and I take for granted. And so certainly there's a right attitude and place in the church concerning uh, finances, concerning money and those types of things. But with that said, does throwing money at something necessarily make it powerful? You know, uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, certainly there's mental power. I, I think of some great minds uh, throughout history, whether they be saved or unsaved. It's amazing what the human mind can, uh, and sometimes even scary, what the human mind can come up with. I thank God for the, what I would call the great Christian thinkers, those theologians uh, uh, of yesteryear who have left their writings and so forth. I praise the Lord for that. Uh, but again, we, you know, we look at that. Is there... You know, is Holy Ghost power what we might call intellectual power? You know, um, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can kind of confuse some of these examples that I've had, and they're not all bad. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but we might even confuse intellectual power, again, with Holy Ghost power. Um, our financial or physical power, though, sometimes we're not careful. We can use those as a substitute as what the real power of the Holy Ghost is all about. Um, and so, again, I think we, we really need to understand what we're talking about here, the power. And, of course, we see the connection of the Holy Ghost of God in connection to uh, the power of a local New Testament church. Now, most of you know how I feel about the local church. And, uh, you know, I'm wanting to see revival in the understanding of a local New Testament church. I think the local New Testament church has been de-emphasized uh, to the point that, you know, we're, we're really losing a lot of ground in a lot of areas. Um, and I want, even though we're living in the, the 21st century, right? Yeah, 21st century. Um, I, I say this often. Now, certainly there are things unique to the first century church that we don't have today. But I do believe that a 21st century ought to try to be a first century church as much as possible. Certainly in power. Amen. Certainly in power. Uh, and I think that's important. Because that's what made the first century church so great. It was the, the early, and when I say the first century church, we'll just focus in on the church there at Jerusalem. Um, and certainly churches that, that were springing up after that, we think of Paul and his missionary journeys. And really this is what made the first century church, or the first century church is, so great, was that Holy Ghost power. 
uh, was, the old, was the early church, uh, again, filled with a bunch of physically strong men? I, I, I guess maybe they might have been, you know. Um, uh, were they, uh, you, know, did, you know, was the world really concerned that, that these men of God, uh, you know, really had a great intellect? I don't think they were worried about that. Uh, they didn't really have a lot of financial strength. I think we'd all agree on that tonight, right? Uh, but they had Holy Ghost power. Um, and I don't believe, I, you know, there is no reason, there isn't any reason that uh, we as a church family tonight, that we shouldn't see that same power today. Amen. 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 I, I tell you, you know, we've talked about the Holy Ghost, right? The Holy Ghost isn't some type of ether in the air, not some type of magical force that's in us. The Holy Spirit is God. Amen. And if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you, as we learned this morning, right? And that very same Holy Ghost that was promised here is the very same Holy Ghost that indwells uh, our body, if you will, when we're saved. So there, hey, there is no reason, amen? And I've been saying it for several years, and some of you still look at me a little funny. Um, and I understand why you'd want to look at me a little funny. I know I look a little funny. Uh, but uh, I believe if that we would really get down, if every local New Testament church just in America uh, would be a first century church, we could win the country back in a month. Amen. Amen. I believe it. Uh, and so I can't do nothing about those other churches, but I want to try to do what I can here, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I can't do nothing about uh, you know anybody personally, but I can sure I can sure try myself, right? And uh, so certainly they had Holy Ghost power. And I don't believe there is any reason we can't have that same power today. You say, okay, preacher, how do, how do we achieve this? And really it's not we. You know, but we see a lot of different things. And I'm, I'm going to kind of pick on some different type of beliefs tonight. But just bear with me. I'll, I'll get through it. But, you know, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, hey, I, I love good music. Amen. Good godly music. Uh, but do we, do we get that Holy Ghost power by, by a music program, you know, praising the Lord verbally even? Uh, praise the Lord. I, there's nothing wrong with praising the Lord. I'm, I'm not against that. Uh, but do we achieve Holy Ghost power that way? You know, do we, do we achieve Holy Ghost power, you know, with, with fasting and prayer? And I certainly believe there's probably a connection to that. I, I think we should fast and pray. Amen. Uh, I believe we ought to memorize and meditate Scripture, those types of things. Uh, and a lot of us, maybe we do those things, but maybe we're not experiencing what we're talking about here. Again, that miraculous ability, that Holy Ghost power. Um, you know, I, what I guess I'm trying to get us to understand tonight is maybe we need to look at it, look at it in a way that, that maybe we haven't really thought about before. You know, uh, as believers of a local New Testament church, or you're visiting your church family or what have you, hey, listen, we are to... To please, uh, that is to glorify God. You know, that's our main purpose. That's what a local body should do is glorify God. Nothing glorifies God more than souls being saved, right? And so we, we kind of look at these things and hopefully we'd want that. Um, and, and again, I want to try to please God, but, but also know that the Bible teaches that the only one who can 100% please God is God the Son, <laughs> Yeah, none of us can do it 100%. I, hey, I want to try. I certainly fail. But the only one that can 100% please God is certainly God the Son. And we know that this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, he said. 
But even though I can't achieve that, I, I certainly want to try, and so should you. And we talked this morning about, you know, we got to learn to die to self, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not living, it's, it's dying that we don't want to do. We don't want to die to self. And we don't want to allow Jesus Christ, again, in the person of the Holy Spirit of God, to live through us. And again, this is, this is what I'm talking about, Holy Ghost power. And the first century church, I believe, had this. They lacked in a lot of those other things that I just mentioned, but they had Holy Ghost power. Amen. And certainly God used them uh, in a mighty and powerful way. And I mentioned some things here. I, you know, uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying folks aren't saved because they're not Baptists and so forth. But I do believe there are certain uh, belief systems out there. You know, I think of the charismatic uh, Pentecostal folks. Uh, uh, I believe, in my opinion, whether you know, uh, innocently, you know, maybe they weren't trying, but I believe they've done great damage to the testimony of what real Holy Ghost power is. And uh, again, we're not trying to be ugly, but I believe as a pastor of this church, I need to protect the flock from some of the things that tend to creep in sometimes. And, and again, they, uh, in my opinion, they've really, they're, they're supposed to be known uh, by their Holy Ghost power. But really, when you look at what they're saying and look at what they're doing, to me, they've confined the Holy Ghost power down to sensationalism and really just human raw emotion uh, and a works-based uh, system that, that, again, you do not find in the Bible. And they have taken passages of Scripture and misapplied them and taken them out of context. They have taken great happenings in the Bible, uh, wonderful happenings in the first century church, concerning the salvation of unconverted Jews, and they try to apply them to things today. And that's dangerous. It's not scriptural, uh, and, and it's something we need to try to stay away from. Because God, again, he, he had certain things unique to the first century church, but the Bible makes it plain. Those things are not unique today. Uh, and through emotionalism and sensationalism, there's people that are being confused, really, with a false teaching, a false practice uh, concerning things like the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and such and on and on and on. And I think that's sad. Um, listen, the church, according to 1 Timothy 3.15, is to be the pillar and ground of truth. Amen. And uh, we need that. Amen. We need to understand that. So I want to look at a few things to help us understand what, uh, uh, what, what should be the real power of the local New Testament church. And so, number one, understanding the book of Acts. Now, certainly I can't do an overview of the book of Acts. I mean, I can, but you guys would probably leave. <laughs> but... Uh, the book of Acts, uh, another book, I think, that has really been mishandled, uh, uh, not only by the Charismatics, but Church of Christ and some of those guys. Hey, listen, uh, the book of Acts, uh, you know, is a wonderful, wonderful book, and we need to understand it. And, and again, I'm not going to talk about all the wrong teachings. I'm, I'm going to get off of that. But, but again, uh, in, like I said, even an overview of the book of Acts, those types of things. But one thing that will help us just real quickly to understand the book of Acts as, as you read this book or study this book, <clears throat> is that, you know, I believe the Bible is a book about Jesus Christ, don't you? All the way from Genesis to Revelations. I don't believe the book of Acts is any different. Uh, I've explained to you that really when we look at the Trinity, and this question has come up some, just talking to people, and the subject seems to come back up. But I'll just remind you, though, 
uh, that we believe in the Trinity. Amen. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, uh, co-equal, co-existent. They're, you know, it's all God, right? The Godhead. And we know that in the Old Testament, we see the Trinity being worked through God the Father. In the Gospels, we see the, the Trinity being worked through God the Son, that is Jesus Christ. Now, it's all about Jesus Christ. Remember, we've looked at it this morning, how Jesus is the mediator. Uh, we look to, to God the Father through the Son, and God the Father looks through Jesus towards us. And aren't you glad about that? Uh, but today, uh, we, we think about the church age, and we even think about the, books of, the book of Acts, and the working agent, if you will, I'm, I'm not trying to be uh, not reverent here, but the working agent of the Trinity is the Holy Ghost, amen? And that's a wonderful thing. And it's no wonder the devil wants to try to misapply things and get this all mixed up. Uh, and so, so again, these will kind of help us to even understand the book of Acts. We know that just what Jesus said he would do, he's ascended back up into heaven, uh, and his work continues on, uh, that is the work of Christ, continues on in the person of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. That's that comforter. And the Holy Spirit is, as I said a while ago this morning, he is he who comes inside of us, the moment of salvation. And that's exciting. And so we think, okay, preacher, I, I understand that. What's the primary message preached in the book of Acts? And this is where we get, you know, so confused sometimes. You know, there are some belief systems out there that, that just preach about healing. Boy, they go to the book of Acts. They just preach about uh, baptismal regeneration. They go to the book of Acts. They talk about here's why we need to speak in tongues. And they go to the book of Acts and they say, uh, this is where we, get, we can be saved, but after that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they go to the book of Acts. Uh, they say, well, here's, hey, listen, I'm an apostle today and I go to the book of Acts. Amen. Or woe is me. They say, you know, uh, here, here's the miracles. Again, it's all around the book of Acts. But no, listen, none of those things, you find them in the book of Acts, but none of those things are the primary message of the book of Acts. Not a one of them. But they're made that way by men. The primary message of the book of Acts is the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message of the book of Acts. That's what was preached each and every time uh, that these men of God got a chance to preach it. By the way, are you saved this evening? You know, uh, Was there a time when you realized you were lost? And, and as we learned this morning, desperately, hopelessly lost. Amen. But maybe you heard the profound, simple message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'll ask if you had a car wreck where you should have died. I'm asking you, have you been saved by the blood? Amen. And, and were you saved because you believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you see? That's what we're talking about. And you heard that, and you were pricked in your heart, and you believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And you asked for forgiveness, and His blood was applied to your life. Amen. That's the primary message of the book of Acts. And anything else that gets away from that and takes away from that, listen, you don't need that in your life. Hey, listen, we just need to understand the book of Acts for what it is if we're going to contend for the faith. You know, uh, the book of Acts really is a great book because it really relates to the believer. <clears throat> now, let's go uh, back to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24. Hold your place in the book of Acts. We may look at some other things there, but we find ourselves at the end of the book of Luke, chapter 24. 
And uh, Jesus has uh, shown himself after his resurrection. Look there at verse 46. Luke 24, uh, verse 46. It says, And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Now this is Jesus speaking. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached, what? In His name among all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And notice verse 48. We have here a, a, another uh, representation of the, the Great Commission. And ye are witnesses of these things. We'll read verse 49 in just a moment. Now that verse 48, I want to focus in here. Jesus said, Ye, you are witnesses of these things. Now Christian, I want you to understand something. Um, here what Christ, and as we take the other gospel accounts of the Great Commission, certainly if we look at Acts 1-8 just on itself, um, you need to understand that Christ is saying to all of us today, if you're here tonight and you're saved, I want you to understand you are a witness. Now, I'm not saying you're witnessing, but you are a witness. You might not be a faithful witness. You might not even be witnessing at all. But God says Ye are, you are a witness. And so it would behoove us to kind of understand what that is. And, of course, we understand we're talking about somebody that's sharing the gospel. Amen? And there's a lot of different ways we could talk about that. Maybe we will someday. But I want you to understand, for tonight, I'm talking about being, in other words, the noun, if you will, uh, being a witness. If you're redeemed, you're a witness. Hopefully you're a good one, or hopefully you want to be a good one. But you are a witness, whether you want to be or not, you're a witness. You know, we think of those in the book of Acts, these wonderful men of God. Of course, Stephen, he's at the top of my list. And I think of, you know, Paul, of course, the greatest Christian to ever live. But, but boy, Stephen... I mean, he, listen, he died literally preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were stoning him as he's preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about that for just a second. And not only him, but Peter, and John, Paul, Barnabas, Silas, others uh, that would suffer for preaching uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They would suffer beyond anything you and I have probably ever gone through. Maybe you have, but probably we haven't for preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, how did they do it? By the power of the Holy Ghost. That's how they did it. Amen. That's an amazing thing to think about. They were saved, obviously, and filled, that is, yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, and they were witnesses for Him. But to be a witness, certainly we need to be witnessing, you know. I hope we would understand that. So this brings us back to the power. We cannot be a witness, nor witness properly with out the power of God in us. Look at verse 49. And Jesus says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. And of course, he's making reference there to the Holy Ghost. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be in, endued with power from on high. Amen. That's exciting. Now, I believe that we could glean from other passages and come to this conclusion, maybe to help us to understand this a little bit better, about the importance of the power of the Holy Ghost, about the importance of contending for the faith properly as souls weigh in the balance. And I believe that Jesus is really also saying in many ways, listen, we can't even attempt to tell others about Jesus Christ. We can't even attempt to share the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ without being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You know, hey, listen, you can, there's a lot of intellectual, I'll even say theologians out there, but that don't mean they're right with God. 
That doesn't mean they're saved. It doesn't mean that they have the power of the Holy Ghost. Um, and that's something that's unfortunate, uh, but I'm afraid that happens a lot. And so this is how the book of Acts, again, I, you know, shorten this up here a little bit, relates to the believer, and hopefully it's helping us tonight, your preacher included, in understanding what the power of the local New Testament church should be all about. And I just encourage you maybe to read through the book of Acts this week. It's a, it's a wonderful read, but don't read it uh, with the mindset of, of, uh, of, of miracles and this and that. Read it with the mindset of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you'll see Acts in a very different way. And I believe that's the way we ought to see it, because that's the real power of the Holy Ghost. And so again, we continue on. The book of Acts in relationship to the church. Uh, the book of Acts relates to the believer. I shared that. Now let's kind of look at it as a church family. You know, I asked this question uh, last Sunday night, I believe, maybe even both Sunday nights that we started this, and in an, in maybe in a different way. But I asked, what, what is church to you? I think I asked, why, did you, why do you come to church? You know, uh, And there's a lot of reasons for that. And, uh, but what is church? In other words, when you think, when somebody says, what is the church? What, what pops into your, into your mind? And perhaps it's a church building. Praise the Lord for our church building, amen. Uh, man, the Lord has really blessed us with a wonderful building. I thank the Lord for that and, and uh, the uh, faithful members of years gone by that, that have made that possible for you and I to enjoy tonight, amen. That's wonderful. But is the church simply the, the building, you know? Uh, again, we study the book of Acts. It shows a building didn't make a church a church. We know that, right? <laughs> a lot of local New Testament churches throughout the book of Acts. And by the way, the book of Acts covers over a 30-year period. It's real important that you understand that in context. But, but a lot of the first century churches, the local New Testament churches, they didn't really have a building to meet in. Sometimes they'd meet from house to house. But I stand up here Wednesday nights and we talk about how some of our missionaries have church underneath a palm tree. They have church under an old bridge that's been abandoned because that's all they got. Hey, listen, they're having church. And my point is, it's not the building, right? Now, praise the Lord, I, I'm glad, amen. I, I, I tell you guys all the time, I love a thermostat. Although, in my opinion, it's usually too hot in here, but it could be a lot worse, right? So, I, hey, listen, I'm not preaching against those types of things, but I'm trying to say let's not confine the definition of a church to simply being a building, there's, you know, there's no Holy Ghost power in this sheetrock and those chairs. Amen. I'm glad we got them, but that's not Holy Ghost power. And the money that was given, and I know you all built this, and I, I, I think I'm right that it was, you didn't have to borrow any money. Praise God. Okay. But that's not where the power is. Amen. That's not where the power is. The power is in the Holy Ghost of God. The Holy Ghost of God can do those things, the Great Commission, without all this. You believe that? I believe it. Now I'm glad we got it. I want to use it for His glory, right? Don't you? But that's not the Holy Ghost's power. And you say, well, okay, church is a meeting. Hey, I'm, now, now we're, now we're going to get somewhere. I, I, I believe that. Uh, uh, it's true. Churches do and, and uh, should congregate, uh, not forsaken the assembly of ourselves, the manner some is, right? And, uh, but, you know, you know th these are things that I've uh, pondered over, and I'm still kind of thinking out loud here a little bit, but, but is the power of the lo local New Testament church, you know, found in the meeting of believers itself? You know, in other words, is the power of the Holy Ghost seen in, uh, you know, a good Sunday school class and, 
and hopefully you're getting some pretty decent preaching and uh, teaching. You know, uh, the fellowship, the singing is, is, you know, is all of that uh, what we think about as far as Holy Ghost power. Now, again, I want to I always make sure here, I'm not preaching against meetings, certainly. I'm not preaching about uh, a, a building. Praise the Lord for a wonderful be, a building. Praise the Lord for spirit-filled meetings, if you will. But is this the power of the church? And again, I'm, I'm still working through some things. I know these are very important, but I think they might be, listen, they might be important means. In other words, things that we need to understand and exercise the power of the Holy Ghost. Now stick with me. The power uh, of the church, I believe, as I think about the first century church and they turned the world upside down, the power of the church is found in the work that the church is doing. And you say, okay, well, the, that means that our meetings, uh, is that the work? Well, yeah, that's the... Eh. I don't know that's the work of the power. In other words, what I'm saying is those are things to get us ready for the work. Amen? To come and to be fed. Uh, and to, to hear the Word of God preached and to grow in faith and those types of things. Uh, certainly that's true. But I believe the great work of any church, it's, it's not really found in the meetings. In other words, it's not found inside its walls. Listen, the great work, the power of the church is its works outside these walls. Hey, man, and as we think about the Great Commission, right? That's what it was all about. So again, I want you to understand that the power of a local New Testament church, praise the Lord for good meetings, amen, praise the Lord for good preaching, praise the Lord for good singing, we need that, but the real power is seen when we step out these doors and we share the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the only way we can do that is in Holy Ghost power. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. That's exciting. And so to me, that's what the book of Acts teaches about the church. It's, you know, it's God's power, uh, again, only reserved for a church meeting. And, and certainly, no, we, we, certainly we can have some powerful meetings. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, we anointed Brother Billy with oil here the other night. And certainly God will work through those things. Please don't uh, misunderstand me. But, but listen, God's power, uh, again, is worked outside these walls. And really, it's not just evangelism. That's the main point. But when I walk out these walls, I'm an empty nester now. But there was a time in my life to be the best daddy that I needed to be. I needed Holy Ghost power. Mama, the best. Hey, listen, you want to be the best mama you can be? You need Holy Ghost power. Amen. Despite if the service wasn't to your liking, you need to have Holy Ghost power. Amen. And we need to have Holy Ghost power. You know, if you're an employer, employee, sister, brother, whatever it is, you understand what I'm saying. We need Holy Ghost power in our everyday lives outside this church building. Amen. We need God's power to live while away from the assembly. I think that's important. Is the Holy Spirit, let me ask you a question, believer. Is the Holy Spirit in control of your whole life? You know, um, I, you know, I'm not there. I'll just be honest with you. I wish I was, you know. But I, I can't say the Holy Spirit's in control of every aspect of my life. Maybe more than some, maybe less than other. I don't know. But I do know that I can do better in certain areas, but it's not God's fault. It's my fault, and it just comes down to a matter of faith. 
But I want God to control, the sin, control my life. I want Him to be the center of my life. Of course, again, I ask, do you know Christ is your Savior? And if you do know Him as Savior, and I hope we all do, have you died to self? And are you being led by the, by the Spirit or by the flesh? And we've talked about that in detail already. Are you Spirit-filled? And again, that's another meaning that some have hijacked. Spirit-filled just simply means being yielded to the Holy Ghost of God that's already inside of you. Amen? You don't get the Holy Ghost in doses. You either have Him or you don't. He is God. Our problem is not yielding to the Holy Ghost that's already in us. That's, that's our problem, you see. And so when we talk about being Spirit-filled, be filled with the Spirit, we're really just talking about yielding to the Holy Ghost of God that's inside of us. So are you living under the... Are you yielded to the power of God or, or you do things in your own power? You know, there's some things that I think I do and then some things I think I don't. I'll be honest with you. Uh, is the very, you know, through the Holy Ghost, that is. We're talking about, of course, the person of Jesus Christ reigning and dwelling in our heart and our life today. This was the power, I think, of the first century church that we find in the book of Acts. The power of the first century church was seen really in their complete dependence upon Christ. You know, Christ really was all they needed. And uh, it showed. Are you totally dependent upon God? Or do you rely on other sources of power besides Him? Maybe you rely on self. Maybe you rely on other things, other uh, programs, whatever the case may be. Maybe not in all areas, but some areas of your life. I, I believe people, you know, I believe this. I've shared with you already that unfortunately the world has done a better job at evangelizing the church than the church evangelizing the world. The world just seems to get more or the church gets more worldly, you know. And Paul said that would happen. But that don't mean we have to like it. And I believe people can actually teach themselves how to live without the power of God. I'm talking to believers. I think, I think we, you know, I said a while ago, it's not living. Hey, we, man, we know how to live, amen. We, you, nobody in here has to tell you how to live and get, the, get as much as you can out of this world, Right? We know how to get, right? We, hey, listen, we know how to make a buck. We know how to do this. We, hey, listen, we know how to squirm and, and avoid. We, hey, listen, we know how to do all It's not living. It's dying that we, that we really fail in. Dying to self. And I believe people could just teach themselves. They may not even realize it, but we have lived so long in a, again, in the Laodicean church mode that many believers, including myself, we wouldn't know Holy Ghost power if we'd seen it. And we've learned to live without the power of God. And the power, again, I, I love a good meeting, amen. I love a, hey, listen, praise the Lord for that. And I want spirit-filled meetings. Please, please don't misunderstand me. But the real power is not in the meetings. It's not found in this building. It's not even found when we congregate. And you guys know I'm a stickler for regular church attendance, so please don't misunderstand me. Those are things, the means, if you will, by which we learn to yield to the power of the Holy Ghost so that we can walk out these doors and win souls to Jesus. And we don't need a new way. We don't need the modern uh, evangelistic efforts that are out there today that are worldly. We don't need that. We just need to go out, preach, and live the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
By the way, I know I've said this before, but your life out there on the job, you know, you whether you're, a, you know, a carpenter, or a truck driver, or whatever it is, hey, listen, your good Christian life will preach better than any message I could ever stand up here and preach. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that, listen, uh, I love a spirit-filled meeting. And, you know, hey, listen, a church place is, is not some place to be entertained. It's a place of doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that, that the men, that is the men and women, can be thoroughly furnished into good work, for good works. You know, that's what we do here at the church. In any good local church, that's what you're going to do. And boy, when I think about that, though, today, when I see some of these so-called spirit-filled uh, church meetings, so, so-called. I believe it breaks God's heart to see the shallowness of some of these modern things, uh, you know, these meetings, I think. I, I believe it does. Where really just getting emotionally stirred is the goal. And we call that Holy Spirit power. God help us, amen. God help us. What we need, and by the way, I, I know a good church that does this. <laughs> but we, what we need is a place, a meeting place, where we can come and be taught doctrine. Right? Doctrine from where? Not my life experiences or not some emotional story, but doctrines from the Word of God. That's what we need. A place where the Word of God is preached and and certainly, y'all could do a little better, you know, for a preacher, but right now that's who you got. But we want to preach the Word, amen? Any preacher ought to be preaching fervently, you know, completely, in other words, holy, and certainly unapolog unapologetically, amen? I, you know, I, I don't know why. You know, I mentioned this uh, Wednesday night. You know, we were kind of on one of those touchy subjects Wednesday night. And I won't even bring it up tonight because I don't want to kill it. But, uh, you know, we were talking about some things. Boy, you could just feel the tension in the air. And, and one, I got to wonder, and I was, you know, it makes me nervous too, but I got to wonder, where does that come about? Why, why do we get so, so shaky about doctrinal truth? Hey, we shouldn't run backwards from John 3.16, amen, no more than any other verse in the Bible. Amen. Where does that come from? Well, I just think it comes from, you know, just not... Uh, uh, preaching the Word of God the way it needs to be preached, amen, and, and brought up. Man, we've the Bible, I think it's in the book of Hosea, I think, um, where it says that, uh, let's see, that we've made uh, great things, strange things. You know, uh, the sermons preached 100 years ago, they would seem very strange probably in all of our ears tonight. And we go, that's a fanatic. That's a control freak. That's a legalist right there. But I believe the church was a lot stronger 100 years ago than it is today, don't you? Amen. Now I say bring it back. So that's what we need, where it's preached. place where we do sing hymns, spiritual songs. Songs, by the way, that are packed with biblical truth. A place where we fellowship in biblical unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. What's the common ground? It's not ecumenicalism. It's not compromise. The common ground is Jesus Christ Himself. Amen. That's where we have to start. His doctrine that was handed down to His disciples and then let us go beyond. Once we have that in this place of worship and we go out into the highways and the hedges, go in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, compel others to come in. Amen. That's the church growth plan right there.
That's the church growth plan right there. Saved, baptized, added to the church. That's how God said to do it. And I believe if we want to see things really happen and we really want to see people genuinely saved, that's how we need to do it. Amen? And I believe it can be done. I believe it is being done, even in today's world and in churches across the land. I believe it can be done at Central Calvary Baptist Church. And I think if we understand that and kind of just get back to an understanding there, as it said there, let's go back and read it one more time, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Amen. I think if we'd get a hold of that, we'd begin to understand and maybe even experience the real power of what a local New Testament church should be all about. Amen. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And Brother Brad's going to get a hymn or a, uh, a uh, uh, invitational song ready. And whatever God lays on his heart, I would just encourage you maybe to come and to this altar and do some praying tonight. And there's a lot of things we could pray about. First of all, if you're not saved tonight, you come get my attention. That's the first and foremost most important thing you need to do is to be saved and know that you're saved and know why that you're saved so that you can have the confidence to trust Christ and to follow this wonderful book that we call the Bible. And if you are saved tonight, and I don't know about you, but I need to do better in a lot of areas of my own life, and I would just encourage you to come down tonight. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to lean on my own understanding. I'm not relying on the Holy Ghost power at times. Sometimes I'm relying on my own intellect. I'm relying even on my own physical strength. I'm relying on what I can do and what I can't do instead of just allowing the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in me to lead me and guide me. Sometimes I let this old world talk me out of witness, and that ever happened to you? You ever feel like you know you should be saying something to this person? You feel like, boy, I need to hand this person a track. I need to tell this person about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and boy, we just sit there and we run it over in our heads and we try to figure out every way we can get out of it. You ever do that? You don't have to answer out loud. Maybe just come and ask God, Lord, I want to be yielded to what the real power is. You know, I, 